Like, let's talk about like Bobby the Builder, right? Let's talk about that. Like, I, I can safely say, and I think you know, people that know me, like I, I built a really good career. You know, I, I've done a lot of things that I think anybody would would love to do. You know, I, I mean, as far as athletics, being an ac academia, you know, I graduated, you know, with honors from Barton College. You know, um, athletics, academics. I mean, even with the work I'm doing right now with Blacks and Technology. Right. I built and I'm still building. Right. So I had to really look at, OK, what's my journey? What story do I have to tell? And then how can I use that to help other people build? Right. So look at your journey, what you bring to the table. What's your value? What's your value proposition? If you walk in a room, what's your value? You have a few things that when you walk in a room, this is this is what people one At least somebody in this room is at least going to care about one of these things that I'm bringing to the table. Right. And then you build you build your brand off that, you know, what's your message, you know, um, and everything like that. So especially in the, like in this digital age, you know, if you don't have content, if you don't have any type of social media presence. As as the world continues to get more digital, no one's going to know you. Like no one's going to know you. And I think that's that's a hard pill for people to swallow. <laughs> Yo, plug me in. Welcome to another episode of the STEM Plug Podcast, episode 10. That's right, episode 10. We moving on up, right? So today, we've dove in and plugged in with a lot of different STEM professionals that are in a lot of different areas of STEM, right? But today, I really wanted to plug in with an amazing guy that is, you know, not only a tech star, but he's also a former basketball star as well. So I feel like it was very important that we dove in with Bobby, a.k.a. Bobby the Builder. Hashtag Bobby the Builder. How's it going, Bobby? It's going good, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, bro. I'm doing yeah. good. So just a little bit about Bobby, right? Bobby is a senior tech recruiting leader with over 14 years of experience in the industry. That's right, 14 years. And Bobby has worked with some of the top 500 Fortune companies, companies that you, you know, some of the top companies that you, you know, you might want to work for, right? So you got to make sure you're plugging in with Bobby today. So with even all that experience, right, like I said, Bobby was a basketball star in college. And he even won an NCAA championship. So, Bobby, let's kind of plug in, right? So... We have all of this, you know, tech experience you have, mm -hmm. but we want to kind of go backwards a little bit, right? Okay. Just begin how your journey began, right? You're a tech recruiter now, but I really want to learn from your story. Let's start from the beginning. Where basketball? Okay. How did that start? Where did your interest come? How did that kind of begin? So, I mean, bring us back a little bit. Yeah, man. So, um, I'm originally from uh, Fuquay Verena, North Carolina, uh, right here in the heart of uh, the Triangle area. And uh, I grew up playing basketball really most of my life. I remember I was playing Little League organized basketball since I was like eight years old, right? So I always had a passion for it, always had a um, a love for the game, right? So like, you know, like every, you know, young boy had hoop dreams, right? You know, you want to go <laughs> you want to go to the NBA, you know. 
I'm here, you know, here in North Carolina, you know, I want to play for the Tar Heels one day, you know, all of that. So, you know, I, I grew up really doing that. Like basketball was like a big part of my family, period. You know, like my dad played basketball. He was a he was a local star in his own right. And, uh, you know, I kind of carried on that torch. You know, my cousin, he's playing D1 basketball now. So he's kind of – I passed the torch to him, so now he's doing well. So it's, it's been in my family. Um, you know, went to Fuqua Arena High School, four-year varsity letterman. You know, was highly successful there. We did a lot of great things while I was there. Um, I accomplished a lot there. Uh, made, you know, a lot of all-star teams, got a lot of exposure. Um, I was, uh, you know, really somebody who was like a D1 slash D2 prospect. You know, got a lot of like all state honors, you know, here in North Carolina. I was like the star of the team. You know, I was a star. I was like the point forward. I was doing everything, right? Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> really enjoyed my time there, play AAU basketball with some some pretty notable guys that, that came from this area, right? And then I uh, got a, a full athletic scholarship. But a lot of people don't know I got a full academic scholarship too to Barton College. Mm. Yeah, so Barton College, uh, you know, at the time was one of the top D2 programs in the nation. Um, and, uh, you know, it just made perfect sense, you know, to kind of kind of do that. And uh, they still are. They're still like one of the top programs, the D2 programs. So we played a lot of the CIAA schools, you know, because okay. CIAA, you know, a lot of people don't know it's D2. So we play a lot of those schools. Got a lot of victories at some of those schools, too. But, you know, my, my senior year, 2007, won the Division II National Championship. Uh, that was probably the best, probably most significant moment in my life. Uh, it's something I think about every day. You know, you get the ring and the trophy and all that, and you can always say for the rest of your life that you are that, right? So, you know, did that well. I was definitely a student athlete, though. You know, I was in the classroom. You know, I was there to play ball, but, you know, a lot of people don't know I got that ac academic scholarship, too. Mm. So I was really serious about my grades, really serious about my books. I didn't want to just be just a token black guy athlete on campus. That was to me, that was just unacceptable. You know, mm -hmm. I knew I had more to bring to the table. And I'll be honest with you, I knew that, you know, I, I did the math when I was younger about, you know, the probability of making it didn't give up on my dream but you know I had to be realistic like okay what other attributes what other qualities will I have to bring to the community to bring to the world right so I was definitely in my books okay and um and then you know I tried to do some like overseas ventures and things like that that didn't quite work out man I wish we had like Instagram and YouTube <laughs> and and TikTok back in like 2007 man because like like even like uh, this is a guy mentor who's actually he's actually going to Barton College too, and like my cousin, you know, he plays D one man. Like it's so it's so easy to get seen now, mm. you know. Like just the exposure, you know, digitally, which we can talk about. That didn't really quite work out, you know. I'll be honest with you, it didn't. And you know, I'm okay with it. You know, I'm at peace with it. You know, I got the most I could out of the game of basketball. I look back on my basketball career. I'm very proud. I did things that you know people where I come from. Basketball-wise, I didn't get a chance to do. I opened up a lot of doors. I trailblazed a lot for my community and, and then for my family, too. So, And then, you know, I you know, became a, a technical recruiter and, um, and got into that and 14 years in the game, man, and, and, and loved every minute of it. Wow, wow, okay. Now, yeah. you, you plugged this in with a lot right there. Right? <laughs> so my question is, you kind of answered it, but my question that I wanted to go into you already had that, you know, knowledge of, you know, okay, I, I need to have another backup plan in case this sports thing is going to work out. I know a lot of people get into, you know, sports within college and they 
they just, you know, one-minded. I'm going to the pros, different stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, like, did you still have, like, did you have a feeling in your head? Like, I, w- I actually want to go pro. Like, so was there any doubts or anything when you wanted to make a change and, like, oh, okay, I'm just going straight tech? Were there any, any doubts that came about? Yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't give up on my dream. You know, that's what I wanted to do. I think really what my dream was is I wanted to be impactful. I think that was really the, the bigger goal. Right. I knew it was either going to be basketball or it was going to be something. And I think that was my thing. Right. I think I knew really young that I just wanted to be impactful. I wanted the the last name to be great. You know, whatever I was going to do, I was like, I need I need to be successful. I had a a hunger and an urge to be successful early. And, you know, I, I think that for me, the way I got into technical recruiting really is that like after college, you know, Hey, you know, those things didn't work out for me as far as like, you know, from a basketball standpoint. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. You know, but you know, I actually went to, (laughs) I went to a staffing agency to see if they could help me find a job. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it was a small staffing agency in downtown Raleigh. It was called Headway. Mm -hmm. And I went there. I was like, Hey, you know, I'm fresh out of college, man. This is like years ago, man. Like, so the landscape has changed totally totally right but you know, i went there you know you know got my suit and all of that and it was baggy <laughs> you know um uh, you know i was this young dude and um they saw something in, in me you know i was trying to get a job at one of their clients and it's like hey man you should work here so man i worked in uh i worked as a um collections agent for them for like two years yeah but so basically what i was doing is just like i just i had a list right and we had like corporate clients that had like, you know, we had bill for our services. Mm. So my job was just to be on the phone every day, just calling people, mm. calling like large companies, mm. you know, like, hey, you saw we, you got this invoice, you know, $14,000, just want to get, you know, some sort of commitment, right? So I was just on the phone all the time and I was talking to like CFOs, mm. right? And everything like that and really learning how to communicate to them effectively. Little did I know that experience was going to help me later on in life when I became a recruiter, you know, a senior recruiter much, much later. So I was interested in the other, the actual business side, because on the other side of the office, I saw these people like they going to meetings, they going to lunches, they talking to people like there's just, I'm like, wow, this looks fun. What is this? It's like, oh yeah, that's the recruiting division. I was like, I want to go over there. So I went over there and I wanted to recruit right away. Right. They was like, nope, you're going to sit right here. And you're going to do all the administrative stuff first. So I was basically doing job postings. I was um, managing, like, um, all the search accounts. I was uh, listening. They, they basically made me listen on phone, listen to phone screens. And I said in the interview, something like, you know, I'm ready. It's like, no, you're going to sit here. You're going to listen. You're going to shadow some stuff. And, that, and then, really, then I started, like, okay, doing pre-screens. Reference checks were, like, a big thing back in the day. So then I started doing that. But I would just sit there and just watch people interview. And I saw, like, throughout the years, man, I did that for, like, a good two years. And I was getting real frustrated because they will not let me get on the phone. They will not let me talk to nobody. I wasn't going to any conferences. But it was all for a reason. And the reason I say all that is because I had no idea that when I was on the phone calling these C-suite executives how valuable that was going to be later on in my career on how to communicate how to get on the phone and get buy-in. You know, I'm like, what, 22 years old at the time. I'm talking to CFOs, 
talking to CIOs, you know? I didn't know that just sitting there watching interview after interview after interview after interview, just shadowing and listening in, I started seeing a lot of trends. I started seeing things that made candidates successful, but also saw a lot of things that made candidates not be successful. So in a lot of ways, then telling me to kind of just look and watch and listen, I think set me apart from a lot of people who get in the recruiting game because I had, to, I had a chance to kind of experience it and just kind of just sit there and just take notes. And then I started like looking at things the recruiters were doing. Like started really like paying attention to them. So a lot of times, a lot more is caught than taught. Sometimes just being in the room Sometimes just being in proximity and just knowing when to talk, but also knowing when to be quiet can help you go a long way. Mm-hmm. And they literally, quite literally, like, hey, be quiet, you know, and just watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, to kind of wrap this up, because I know I feel like I'm being a little long-winded. No, but I, good, I got bro. a lot, man. <laughs> I got a lot, man. It's a lot I can give you, man. But um, I, I started recruiting. Yeah. And I started recruiting, like, non-tech stuff, mm-hmm. right? But the reason why I'm so passionate about, you know, people being in the tech industry and, I, you know, I'm just going to say it today, especially black people, yeah. uh, is because it's lucrative. You know, like when I was in the agency world, I, like when I first started, I wasn't recruiting any tech roles. I wasn't working with any tech companies. But I soon realized as, you know, I started navigating my way around, there was more money to be earned as a technical recruiter. Anything attached to the tech industry is lucrative. So... As a as an agency recruiter, you got you know base salary plus commission, mm-hmm. right? So I was you know thinking about like my commission. You had higher earnings, mm-hmm. placing software engineers, or, or even like you know robotics engineers, mm-hmm. cybersecurity people. So it was just more lucrative. It was a more opportunity for me to earn. So that's how I got into the tech industry. That's how I got into tech recruiting. I was scared straight though. <laughs> I knew it was I knew it was more lucrative, but I was concerned about the learning curve. You know, because I'm not a technologist and I've never had to be a technologist to be a recruiter and do stuff, you know, do the coding, do the programming, doing the networking. But to be able to get on the phone and talk to these people and they feel confident, like, okay, this is a recruiter that knows what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. That was that was big. And then able to be able to communicate that with hiring managers as well in the tech space you got to have some sort of learning curve, right? You got to be able to talk conversationally, right? And that's one of the things that I'm, when I mentor, you know, recruiters that I work with, especially the technical recruiters, you got to be able to talk about it conversationally. No one's expecting you, if you can code and program and do all of that, that's fantastic, but you don't have to do that. You need to know how to speak conversationally. So I was scared because I didn't, I wasn't exposed to this technology. I didn't know the difference between a front end developer and a back end developer at the time I do now, but I was like, I was shook. Yeah, right. Yeah. So to me, that was why there was there was it was scary. Um, and also, and this is keep in mind, I'm a younger, yeah. more green recruiter. Yeah. Technical recruiting is hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, hard. I was about to say, like, you, you brought up a great point that I really wanted to plug into. Um, you know, I know you mentioned about like, you know, the foundational job that really helped you. But um, do you have any tips or gems of how you really navigated that learning curve? So you know, like you said, it was a, a curve you had to adjust to and stuff. You have any tips you want to share? Yeah, I mean, keep in mind, like you know, when I was coming in the game, man, like there was n- not all these different references and things that you could go really go to, right? <laughs> so for me, what how I learned is just talking to techies on on the phone all the time, mm. just talking to them. Like, 
like learning through like pre-screens, learning through doing like phone interviews, learning through talking to the hiring managers. And was just hearing it, just continuously hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. Because of what I noticed that no matter what tech professional I talked to in the world, they all said the same thing. So this must quite literally be what a software engineer does. Mm -hmm. This must be, you know, what an implementation specialist does. This must be what an IT project manager does. And I started seeing trends and correlations. So I was like, aha. So, you know, everybody in this landscape is saying the same thing. So these core things here, these core principles is what makes up an IT project manager. These core things is what makes up an R&D engineer, mm -hmm. right? As I got later on in my career, and, you know, more things like YouTube became prominent. Um, there was more, you know, books for reference and things like that. Um, I started to learn, you know, kind of adapt to those resources. I always tell people that's like looking to break into, I don't even, honestly, man, I don't even like using the word breaking into tech because that implies that you don't belong there. <laughs> okay, plug it in. What's the word we need? we should be using? I mean, just simple words like transitioning in, okay. you know, or, you know, you know, things like that. I don't like, because you think about breaking into tech, that's like assuming that you're not supposed to be there anyway. Because yeah. usually when you have to break into something, it's because you don't belong. Right, right. 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 So, I, I, yeah, I'm trying to use different phrasing. So, but anytime you're trying to transition into a new role or a new industry, you know, I always say you want to make sure that first you know what you want to do. You know what I mean? And I knew what I wanted to do. Okay. Right? A lot of times when people are trying to break not break into trying to transition into tech, yeah. they're using that that period of going to get all these certifications and going to get all these books. You're spending money trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. But you, you end up wasting money. You need to figure out what you want to do and why you want to do it. Right? Mm -hmm. So when it's time to go get boot take boot camps, it's try it's time to go get certifications, you can spend your money wisely. So if you're trying to do cybersecurity, you can go you can go that direction, right? If you're trying to do tech sales, you can go that direction. So I think that's the biggest thing. I knew what I wanted to do, and I figured that out before I started. And I think that's the biggest piece is just figuring out what you want to do before you start studying it, getting around people, and just pay attention to what they do. Okay. And okay. pick their brain. That's that's really the the main thing. It's, I, mean, I got some some other stuff, but man, I'm yeah. a, I'm a no. Yeah. It's it's um got me thinking now right like I'm, I'm all about mindset right you got to have that mindset first before you even go into something so you as an athlete right um i know you have a specific mindset when you go into a different game when, it, when it's game mm -hmm. time you got to go against a different team so what advice would you have to like somebody that may be in college college star or basketball star yeah. or something right now mm -hmm. and they're listening to this podcast and they're hearing you how uh, you went from a basketball star to now a tech star what advice would you have to tell to them about like maybe how their current mindset they have as an athlete can maybe help them transition into a tech room? This is a good question. Number one, always keep your competitive advantage, your competitive advantage. Always keep your competitive juices. You're going to need that. Like the tech industry or just any industry period is competitive. You're going to deal with competition for the rest of your career. <laughs> like, and don't run away from that. Don't let people, Oh, well, you're too competitive. No, life is competitive. You know, everything that we do has an element of competition to it. Whether you're competing against your coworkers, your peers, another business. And let's go ahead and say this, competing against yourself and trying to do better than what you did before. That's all an athlete is all about. How can I, okay, I, I had these skills last year. What do I need to do in the off season? to up my skills. 
how can I outperform what I did before? Right? So always keep your competitive edge. I know I said competitive, I think I said competitive advantage earlier, but always keep your competitive edge. Right? Mm -hmm. The next thing, remain coachable. I don't care how great you become at something or how good you are. You, at some point in your career, you're going to need coaching at something, right? I think a lot of times when we get good at something, we think, oh, man, I don't, I don't need to learn no more. No, no, absolutely not. Like Serena Williams had a, had a coach. You know what I mean? Michael Jordan had a coach. Kobe had coaches. Yeah. <laughs> he had multiple coaches. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, Tiger Woods got a coach. You're going to need a coach on something eventually in your career. So remain coachable. Those are definitely some things. Also, one thing I learned as an athlete, and this is in the tech industry, this is any industry, you got to be able to handle the highs and lows well and effectively. You're going to have some successes. You can't get too cocky with the successes. You're going to have some, some low moments. You can't get too low in the low moments. You got to figure out what those lessons are. You got to learn them, and then you got to continue to grow and get better, right? These are all things that you can take from an athletic field or court, and you can apply to the tech industry. Another thing, too, that I think is really important as far as the tech industry, you always need to be practicing your skills, always. You know, as an athlete, I don't even have to give the athletic perspective. You use the offseason or – you use times when you're not in practice to practice on your bank shot, your ball handling, your pivot moves. We're talking about basketball right now. Whatever sport applies to you. But in this tech field, man, the skills are always, as the technology advances, the skill level is going to advance too, right? So you need to quite literally understand, like, you need to be practicing your skills outside of your day-to-day -day work, you know, and you need to be, if, if you're a software developer, you need to be on lead code. You need to be doing medium to hard level software development projects. You need to have a, a GitHub link with all your projects in there and so you can display problems that you solved outside of work. Like you always got to be upskilling. Just like an athlete, you're always upskilling. In the tech world, you always got to be upskilling because as these technolo technological advances happen, so do the tech skills have to advance. The job descriptions are only going to, the job requirements are only going to get more technical. So for you to just kind of rest in your laurels, it's just not a good look yeah. because somebody else is going to be somewhere. They're going to be they're going to be hacking. They're going to be hacking. They're going to be doing all this stuff. Or you need to be doing that, too, in your off time. Yeah. yeah. I always say you got you got to do it while they sleep. Right. And yeah. I'm, I'm up at five in the morning, you know. Yeah. But, uh, nah, that's that's dope. I, I see why you call yourself Bobby the Builder now because <laughs> you, you you building out some amazing gems for our listeners. So I appreciate it. Yeah. No doubt. So. So talking about personal brand, right, that's very important outside of, you know, your technical skills and different stuff like that. So how do you manage your personal brand, right? And um, how do you kind of identify identify your personal brand with your, you know, your basketball skills and then into your career transition? How do you identify your personal brand? Yeah, like the first thing I had to do was like really kind of look at my journey, right? Like, let's talk about, like, Bobby the Builder, right? Let's talk about that. Like, I, I can safely say, and I think, you know, people that know me, like, I, I built a really good career. You know, I, I've done a lot of things that I think anybody would, would love to do. You know, I, I mean, as far as athletics, being in ac academia, you know, I graduated, you know, with honors from Barton College. You know, 
um, athletics, academics. I mean, even with the work I'm doing right now with blacks and technology, right? I built and I'm still building, right? So I had to really look at, okay, what's my journey? What story do I have to tell? And then how can I use that to help other people build, right? So look at your journey, what you bring to the table. What's your value? What's your value proposition? If you walk in a room, what's your value? You have a few things that when you walk in a room, this is, this is what people one at least somebody in this room is at least going to care about one of these things that I'm bringing to the table. Right. And then you build, you build your brand off that, you know, what's your message, you know, um, and everything like that. So especially in the, like in this digital age, you know, if you don't have content, if you don't have any type of social media presence, as, as the world continues to get more digital, no one's going to know you. Like, no one's going to know you. And I think that's that's a hard pill for people to swallow. <laughs> like, even like, I, you know, even when I was managing recruiters, I always wanted a recruiter that had a brand and a reputation at some point, right? Like, because are you on LinkedIn? Are you posting? Do people know what you care about? Do people know what you're passionate about? Do people know what your subject matter expertise is? Or do you just get off LinkedIn at 5 o'clock? Like, what is it that you bring to the table? What is it that you care about? You know, and I think that's that's key, like really taking advantage of the world that we live in digitally. I was telling you, like, when I was in high school and college, man, they didn't have Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. And, you know, you look at these kids now, you know, they're getting all these NIL deals is because they created a digital footprint. So why as we as professionals in the corporate space, why don't we have that same mindset? You got to have a digital footprint. You know, there's recruiters like myself and other recruiters that I know that are close friends of mine. We all have a digital footprint. And the reason why people want to work with us versus a recruiter who don't, who ain't posting, doing anything, is because they don't know you. They'll rather work with us because we're giving, we're giving value to the community. Right? So that's another thing with Brandy too. What do you got to be able to what are you what are you passionate about? What are you caring about? What are you giving to people when you're not working? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's really what, what branding is all about in my opinion. Nah, that's that's dope, bro. Um like I'm I'm just even thinking about like uh, you know, my personal brand, like uh one of the top things in my personal brand is I always try to add value to people, right? Um I'm not looking about what they can give to me. I'm actually looking about what I can give to them. So when I network and I meet somebody new, you know, I introduce myself. I'm like, all right, how can I help you out, right? Mm-hmm. That's really helped me develop my personal brand, put myself out there, and really make myself relatable, right? Mm-hmm. So that's dope. Yeah. But if, um, I, if I could add to that, yeah, that's, that's like, yeah, if it's okay. Like, you, you, I'm glad you mentioned that because I've said it on like, you know, shows before, podcasts before. It's, you know, networking is a value exchange. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, when if you're going into networking situations or you go into community, only thinking about what you're gonna get out of people. You kind of you kind of selling yourself short. Like, who do you think in these in these spaces? Who do you think people are going to remember? Somebody who's always asking, or somebody who poured into them as well. You know, somebody who could help them out, right? Somebody you may not be the contact, but you may have a contact for somebody. So that's what networking is: is actual network. Is when two people get together, they talk about, okay, hey, I, I can help you with this, I can help you with that, and then they keep, you continuously talk. And do you find that actually they need help with something else? Hey, I'm not that person, but I know somebody who can. Mm-hmm. You bring them in, then your, net, your, your network of two becomes a network of three. Mm-hmm. And then you start talking amongst each other, right? 
business, getting to know each other and things like that, then that network in the three becomes a network of seven. That's a network. But you can only do that if you're bringing something to the table. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. So. Yeah, no, nah, that's that's a gem, bro. Okay, so let's plug in, right? <laughs> so we know you are, you are a top-level senior tech recruiter, right? Yeah. So what are the skills and the qualities that you're kind of looking for when you're recruiting? Uh, like on the resume or just in general? Just in general. Just you in know, general. Resume or, or like, you know, what, what are you see these key skills, you're like, all right, this, this might be the one. Like, what, what are those skills? I would say, like, let's just talk about interviewing, right? Mm -hmm. I think one of the key things that – actually, no, let's go back to the resume because <laughs> you got to have a good – you have a, a optimal yeah. resume before you even get an interview. Resume, I always say you want to focus on – you. we got your resume, recruiters are looking for impact not necessarily job duties and responsibilities. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. Like what I mean by impact, you gotta have some data on your resume. You know, I wanna, I wanna find out, you know, where you went and also when you were there, what difference did you make? What impact, right? If you success, successfully hit your sales quotas, I need to know what the sales quota was, I need to know if you met or exceeded it, and I need to know how many times you did it. These are things that's gonna get people excited. If you save the company X, Y, Z amount of dollars, that's something that's going to get a recruiter excited. If you developed an app, you know, and because you developed this app, wherever the app was created for, it um, reduced the amount of trouble tickets for, you, for end users. If you're a UI UX designer, okay, the user interface that you created, okay, that directly correlated with the user experience, did that itself help you know, drive up sales, did it help drive up clicks? That's information that we didn't know. I don't need to know that you coded in C. Like, <laughs> we already know that, you know, and that's going to be, you know, in the skills section, but it's impact. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you show impact? Um, you can do it through data and numbers. Like, we were just talking about, like, you know, like you brought, you brought in XYZ revenue for this quarter, right? Like, what did you do, right? Or some people's positions aren't necessarily measured off like data and metrics and numerical figures. Okay, so did you create something that the company or the department kept? You know, like, you know, did, did you create a system or did you take something and make it better? Okay, and then how did, how did that impact the department? How did that impact the team? Like, for example, I'll talk about myself. When I was at Amazon Web Services, again, one of the Fortune 500 companies I worked at, right? Mm -hmm. I did this um, uh, roundtable. So I got, like, it was virtual. So I got every, all these recruiters together to help source people and find people for the roundtable, for, can like, candidates to come because we were targeting tech techies, right? Software engineers, cybersecurity, you know, also, like, IT project managers and th product managers, too. Mm -hmm. So I got all the recruiters to source people to come, right? But then I set up a panel of, like, directors and managers in tech right that were at amazon right i set a goal and i worked with my manager i was like if we get one hire out of this in 45 days i think that'll be a win right we ended up getting three hires in 41 days mm. that's on my resume now mm. that's impact mm. so think of something that you did that made an impact and i think a lot of times the reason why people don't have it on their resume and i said this in the video i did on youtube they don't they don't count their wins Mm. When there's something good happens, yeah, they don't record it. Yeah, your, your manager sends you a job well done email. You need to take that email. You need to forward it yeah. to your personal email. You need yeah. to file it in a folder. 
you get you, you get a report that hey this this project was successful and yeah. if you a key contributor in that project you need to snatch that thing you need to send it to your personal email if they don't let you send emails because of some sort of security gateway reasons take a photo of it screenshot of it and, and save it in a folder a lot of people they go through all the, their, their career and they go through all these companies and they never they never count their wins they never yeah. take count of it so when it's time for you to update your resume when it's time for you to look for that next job you got a catalog of wins from the last five to seven years yeah. that you can just plug in your resume. And those, those are going to be the things that's going to get people excited and going to want the recruiter to talk to you and move you to a phone screen, right? So to answer your question, people don't have enough data on their resume, right? Um, when we're talking about soft skills, I mean, just interviewing itself is a skill, not even being able to tell a story in an interview. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a big thing. The interview is set up as such, so we want you to be able to contextualize the experience and skills that you say you have on your resume. Mm -hmm. We want you to be able to add some color to it. Mm -hmm. So when you get in an interview, just being able to communicate and tell a story. And I see a lot of people that, you know, like I said, I've said in numerous interviews my entire career, people who were my candidates, people who weren't. And I'm just surprised that people who've been doing the same thing day in and day out for years, and they yeah. can't they can't get in front of like me and you and tell a story. Yeah, that 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 brings up a great question. You just had, I, I, I know, man. I'm giving you a lot, uh, man. <laughs> no, no, you really had me thinking because I'm like, um, I meet a lot of people that I know I know what they actually do, but then when I see their resume, I'm just like, mm -mm. why are you why are you leaving all so much stuff? And it's almost like some people like want to dim their light sometimes, and I'm just mm -hmm. like. You got to brag about yourself. You got to brag and tell about all these amazing things that you're doing, that you're saving millions of dollars, that you're working with millions of dollars worth of automation, different equipment, stuff like that. But it's like people want to kind of almost dim their light. I know that's a mindset thing, right? Where, mm -hmm. do, where do you feel like that really comes from, of people not wanting to really brag about themselves and can't really explain in depth about the story of their experience? I mean, I have I, I, one thing that first, that first comes to mind. Again, I'm just referencing, you know, 14 years of stuff I've seen and heard. Yeah. I mean, first off, I think that people do, but they just like, like I said, they just, they don't have it on their resume because they haven't kept up with it. Mm. When they got a performance review and the performance review was good, they didn't, they didn't keep a personal log of it. Mm -hmm. So then you're trying to spend time remembering all this key information and you don't, you don't know. Right. So that's one thing. Another thing too, is that, I mean, I'm just kind of making this up on the fly, man. <laughs> I think people have a humble complex. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm humble. I'm I'm grateful. But when it's time for you to showcase, you need to showcase. Mm -hmm. You know, like, there's, there's, there's times in, I, I think people don't like talking about their accomplishments because they think it's going to make other people feel bad. Mm -hmm. But it ain't your fault that you were great. Yeah. It's not your fault that you did well. Actually, it's a compliment. So if you did well at something, you should speak on that. What it, you know, what's the old mantra? Closed mouth don't get fed. Yeah. So if you don't talk about yourself in these rooms, if you don't talk about yourself in these resumes, how you going in these interviews? How you going get get what you need? Whatever you don't say, people not gonna know. Whatever whatever you don't display, people not gonna care about. So I, I think people kind of got like a humble complex, man. It's like they're like, oh, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. No, maybe maybe you should because, you, you know, your life, your livelihood could depend on it if you don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
No, I, that makes I, sense. No, nah, that definitely okay. makes sense. Like I always like to say, if you if you feel like you got to dim your light around somebody you around, you're not around the right people. Yeah, man. Please, all <laughs> the real. Man, so all it's like I don't, I only want to be around people that continue to just to motivate me. Like you, yeah. So you man, definitely yeah. dropping gems. Bro. You want you want some trophies? You need to you need to show it. Yeah. Nah, you know that's, that's big facts. That could be a controversial statement, but you know, if you, if you got if you got plaques, yeah, yeah. So nah, for sure, for sure, plug it in. So all right, so so let's dive in some more, right? So what are some of like the biggest challenges that you face as a as a tech recruiter? Yeah, man. Um, I think um, the the markets and being able to adjust with the, the you know the economy and the job markets and cuz there's a lot of things that are out of a recruiter's control. There's been multiple times in my career where candidates were in abundance and then candidates were scarce. And one of the direct co- correlations with that is become sometimes it's an employer's market and then sometimes it's a candidate's market. Just like in real estate, sometimes it's a buyer's market, sometimes it's a seller's market and depending on what market type it is, you know, can can give you some indication on how easily accessible a home may or may not be. I think that's one of the big things recruiters have to always be mindful of because, you know, it, it, understanding that and and also being being aware to being having an awareness to know that how can I creatively maneuver around it, right? When it's an employer's market. The job opportunities are limited, but the candidates are abundant. So it's a, it's a supply demand thing, right? I mean, a lot of people can say we, we're, we're kind of dealing with that right now, or we're kind of getting out of ways of that, right? There was a whole lot of layoffs in the tech industry, like thousands of people, right? So you have a you have a whole bunch of talented technical professionals, but the jobs are limited, right? So this is an employer's market where it's quite literally easier to find talent for the recruiters who have openings right so like i, I mean I've, I've heard stories from like my peer recruiters man they'll put a, a, a job posting up at 12 noon by three o'clock they got 500 applicants they got to shut it down that's the <laughs> indication of a employer market also, when you think about even like job offers, another indication of an employer market, when you see a, a consistently across the market where salaries may be a little bit down, relocation packages might not be as, as abundant. You know, they might be a little bit more conservative across the board, not just one or two employers here or there, but across the board, that's an indication that it's an employer market. Now, where it becomes more challenging is when it's a candidate market, where we were just in last year. This time last year, we were in the candidate market, right? Meaning that you had more, you had more passive talent than you had active talent. Active talent are active candidates or candidates who are on job boards every day applying for jobs, right? Passive candidates are they're not necessarily looking like that, but if you reach out to them at the right time, they may be interested, right? There's been there have been several times where we couldn't get applicants, so we had to go out and dig and source, right? Because it's a candidate market. Hey, I only want to work remote. Hey, TikTok over here offer me this. Can you offer me that? Right? Hey, um, I got unlimited PTO. You guys going to offer that? If it's no, then don't worry about it. You know, like being able to navigate around that. And all those things come from, you know, economic factors, inflation, things that might not necessarily be in a recruiter's, you know, um, control. They can influence it to a degree. 
but you can't necessarily control it. So I think that's one of been one of the difficult things. Um, also, keeping up with the technology, right? I don't, like I said, uh, as a recruiter, I don't have to be a technologist myself, but if I'm going to get on the phone and I'm trying to recruit a, um, a DevOps engineer or if I'm trying to recruit a software development and test engineer, I kind of really got to know what's going on in that space. Mm. That's going to give me credibility as a recruiter to the candidate. Mm. That's also going to give me a lens of credibility to the hiring manager. And that's really what's important, right? Another thing I give you, man, cause I know I'm giving you a lot. <laughs> keep keep plugging <laughs> in, bro. Keep plugging in. Like as a recruiter, I mean, I tell this to like the recruiters that I mentor. You got to know what's going on in the market. Talent migration. Why are people leaving California and moving to Vegas mm. and Texas and Phoenix? Mm. You got to know that. You got to know why people are leaving the Northeast and moving to the South. Mm. Where talent is going and why they're going there. Mm. That makes a great tech recruiter. A recruiter, period, but especially in tech, right? There's cost of living issues, right? There's centralized hubs where there's more just an abundance of tech jobs especially now that remote jobs are dropping a little bit and and more companies especially in the tech space are going more to in-house or um, hybrid mm -hmm. these are things that are going to factor into your sourcing strategy these are things that are going to factor into the candidate experience these are things that are going to factor into as a tech recruiter you working with a hiring manager and helping them come up with ways to identify and attract talent Okay. Nah, that's that's dope. So one of the questions that I have, right, you know, a lot of people might see things about tech, you know, now every you know, we're talking about personal brand, we putting it out there, right? We have mm -hmm. all these different organizations that have, you know, different tech conferences, different things about tech. So kind of give me and I know a lot of people want to get into tech now because they're like, Oh, I can work remote, right? I can just work from home and mm -hmm. all this other stuff. Kind of give me what are some of the common misconceptions that you see or myths of working in the tech uh, industry. Do you, do you see a... Uh, For people trying to navigate into tech, yeah. like your first job in tech might not be the job you want. My first job being a tech recruiter wasn't the job I wanted. <laughs> you know, I always say, you know, know what you want to do, one, two, take, take certifications and boot camps that make sense. So you got to be strategic about it. But once you get in, like, I'm not saying it can't happen. Mm. If it does, fantastic. You know, but your first your first role when you're trying to enter in might not be the role you want. If your goal is to be a cybersecurity engineer and, you know, have all these different CompTIA certifications, if you don't have that experience, you might need to take you might need to get one or two solid, credible certifications, maybe take a boot camp and maybe be a customer success manager first or maybe do tech support first. These, these are just examples because at least you'll have some, again, you'll be able to talk about the product or the service conversationally. You'll know about the product. You'll have some, some key elements in your, tool, in your tool set about the product, the capabilities of the product. That could be a good launching pad and to be a cybersecurity engineer, right? So your first role, I think a lot of people think I'm going to come in I'm going to get that role. Now, the more technical the role is, that may not be the case. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's not possible, but, you know, there's, there's, there's possibilities and there's probabilities. It's possible. Is it probable? 
you know? Mm-hmm. So take that into account. Like, the role that you want may not be your first role. I think that's one of the big misconceptions. I think another thing, too, is that I'm going to contribute to basketball. You know how, like, they say, like, you know, when you get to college, you end up playing college basketball like I did or you end up, you know, playing in the NBA? Yeah. The work starts once you get there. Like, you know, when you get to the league or when you get to playing college basketball, congratulations, the hard part is staying there. The hard part is staying on the team. The hard part is keeping your scholarship. (laughs) The hard part is, you know, like even I mean I haven't been in the NBA but I know guys that are you know yeah. you know I can I can you know talk about it contextually mm. you know it's the hard part of staying there yeah. it's just like in the tech space man like people think that okay I'm in man let me tell you something man they it's people while you doing this man it's people in Starbucks right now coding for fun mm. for oh, fun. Boy. Talk about it. You know what I mean? They like, it's people like doing, it's whole meetup groups. People meeting at the park. All of them got their laptop. They got their Wi-Fi hub thing. They sitting there getting it. (laughs) Yeah. So once you get that, it's great that you got there, but it's very similar to like athletics. Mm -hmm. That's why I say you always got to keep your competitive edge and you always got to be wanting to upskill. So I think that's one of the biggest things I see is that once I get there, I'm good. Like, yeah, you're good, but now it's a matter of staying there because I'm telling you, that technology, I mean, we can even see it now with all the AI stuff. Like, the technology is just always going up every so often, and you got to be able to stay on track with that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the biggest thing. Um, okay. Yeah. No, nah, that's dope. So that that's a per- perfect segue. I wanted to really go into now just about, like, how can you help our listeners, right? Let's mm-hmm. talk about the different services that you may offer mm-hmm. or different um you know different plans that you may offer. How how mm-hmm. can you how can you help with that? Yeah, so you know, I I've like I said, man, I've been in the game for a long time. Mm-hmm. In the game for a long time. So I have a great perspective because I've been both the recruiter and the candidate. Mm-hmm. And I've been the hiring manager when I was hiring recruiters, right? Mm-hmm. So like I said, I've I've been in probably at this point in my career, thousands, I've been in thousands of interviews, whether I was doing it myself. Or I, I was in a room just kind of looking, seeing all those trends that make people successful and make people unsuccessful. Yeah. I done done plenty of LinkedIn sourcing sessions with hiring managers yeah. where I could, I've seen trends throughout my career, what they like, what they don't like. Resume review sessions, what they like, what they don't like. Interview debriefs, thousands at this point. Yeah. where they How they talk about candidates after they interview. So what I have quite essentially is I have this we call the Bobby the Builder chat. Okay. You can come in and ask me anything industry related. If you want to talk about like hey, what's 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 how these jobs trending right now? If you want to learn about Blacks and Technology Foundation, if you want to learn about, you know, just talk about diversity. That's a more of a general thing. But then there's the resume breakdown session. The resume breakdown session, I basically go through and I look at your resume just like a recruiter or hiring manager look at your resume because I've been in these rooms and I've seen it. I was like, okay, they're going to ask about this. Like, you you know, this, this, and this, right? And I look at it, like, in real time. It's like it's like applying for a job, mm-hmm. and then the, the recruiter calls you, and they look at your application while you're on the phone. <laughs> That's how my resume breakdown session is. I don't write resumes, and I, I'll, I'll explain here in a second. Hopefully we ain't going over time. <laughs> but um, I break it down. I break down your resume top to bottom, left to right. 
and give you and put you in the psyche of the recruiter and the hiring manager what they look for and what they, and questions they're going to ask, right? And I think it's important to teach people why sections in a resume exist. And I don't think a lot of people do that. Like, they just write your resume, here you go. But you don't know why they did what they did. My goal is you do a resume breakdown session with me. I've given you enough where you can go and you can understand your resume. So you ain't got to keep coming back to me. Because if you keep coming back to me, you know what I mean? Yeah. I want to set you up so I give you what you need so you can go forward and not necessarily need to have another resume breakdown session with me. Bobby told me the purpose of the summary section. He told me why the skills section is important. He told me the format, you know what I'm saying, that, you know, and why format is important, right? I mean, there's so much I can go into. You know, I, you know even the, um, the LinkedIn overview session. I always say your resume stakes your game, LinkedIn sets the frame. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. It's two different things, but they go together. I've had career coaches argue with me about this, man. It's like, oh, yeah, your, the LinkedIn profile, you know, the experience section shouldn't look exactly like the resume. I rebuke. Yeah. It should. Yeah. Because oftentimes when I'm doing these, these sourcing sessions, right. the hiring manager will see your LinkedIn profile sometimes before you see your resume. Yeah. I've had hiring managers tell me numerous times they didn't want to talk to a candidate because they had nothing in the experience section. They had no keywords. They had no, no impact. Yeah. So they had none of that, right? Yeah. So I've had, but then you go look at their resume, they got all of that. Yeah. So we, we go about, we talk about that and how you make it optimal. You know what I'm saying? Like your, your resume states the game, LinkedIn sets the frame. Because not only do you need to have your experience, you need to have other things associated with your LinkedIn profile and digital presence that'll make you stand out, right? Okay. Um, mock interview sessions. I basically sit down and interview. You know, I, I, got, cer I got certain questions no matter what the interview is. Now, I can't do a technical interview, but I can at least, like, okay, I can phone interview you, like a phone interview. I can sit down and, and go through the STAR method, which we ain't even got into. I'm going to walk you through that STAR method. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to ask questions in the STAR method, and I, I'm going to want you to respond in the STAR method because you got it's a structured way to basically tell a story. So I have that. Uh, that's just a few. Okay. So... No, nah, we appreciate it. We appreciate it. So how can our uh, audience and guests stay in touch with you? What's your social medias that we can uh, yeah. connect with you online? Yeah, no doubt. So my Instagram, uh, follow me on Instagram. It's just Bobby McNeil Jr., all one word. Um, you know, I'm doing a lot of stuff there. Uh, LinkedIn, Bobby McNeil. Um, just type that in. Um, follow my hashtag on LinkedIn, Bobby the Builder. I'm building mindsets. I'm building good habits and helping you build your career. Um, also, follow me on Twitter. Um, just Bobby the Builder, you can find me there. Uh, Facebook, just you know my name, Bobby McNeil. I'm pretty should be pretty easy to find. So okay, okay. yeah. Well, now nah, we appreciate you plugging in with us today, Bobby, aka Bobby the Builder. Yes, sir. Um, you've been building out a lot of gems and, and skills for us. We're gonna have to plug in another <laughs> time, man, because we like we need about two, three hours to plug <laughs> yeah. in. But we appreciate you plugging in on the Stem Plug Podcast, episode ten. Make sure you like and subscribe. Keep plugging in.